0: Not okay. uh, you went big. I gotta get rid of you. Oh, they are. All right. Yeah,
1: we'll uh, we'll trim the beginning down. All right. You, so you uh,
0: you went picture in picture with yourself.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll start. Like I said, we'll have to trim the beginning down here in a sec. Okay. So yeah, we ready. All right. Evening, everyone. Welcome to special edition of the Refs Roundtable here on Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Dan Spasciano, joined by filmmaker Mike Messier.
2: Hey, everybody. How's it going, everyone?
1: And WWE superstar Rico Costantino. Rico, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Hello, everybody.
1: You know, uh, the roundtable was originally started by an old friend of mine, Jeff the Ref, who is no longer with us, and I'm going to continue hosting the show in his honor the, restaurant, the idea of the Restaurant Table was a conversation of everything sports and entertainment. And it's funny we talk conversation because what is the old rule of thumb? Two things you never bring up in the conversation with your friends or family are politics and religion. And that's yeah. the topic of today's conversation. We're going to talk politics and religion in sports entertainment. Rigo, you seem like you, you want to add something?
0: Yeah, you had two out of three. You Uh-oh. talk no politics, no religion, and no sports.
1: Yes, sports is another one. But yeah, as, but we're as, doing as the two of show. Yeah. <laughs> as a wrestling show, I think we can forgive the sports.
0: Yeah. So, they're, on, um, they're on hiatus anyway. <laughs>
1: that's very true. Before we get started, uh, I do want to start on, on a uh, bit of a somber note. Wrestling world's a little darker this week. Um, yeah. As you know, officially, California uh, officials confirmed that Chad Gaspar died as uh, in the... Ocean as he was swept away, his last act being saving his son. So a true hero to the end. Yep. In the commentary world, Mania 411 is mourning the unexpected loss of Larry Zonka, who's a good
0: oh, commentator in the no. sports world. When did this happen?
1: Uh this was, I believe, Wednesday.
0: Larry Zonka was the co-host when I was gladiators. Really? Yeah, he was the co-host. He Wait, and no, I no no thought- no
1: I'm not, I'm not talking about the uh the Dolphins running back. This is oh. Larry Zonka, the Mania four one one commentator.
0: Oh, oh, sorry the out of me! Oh, oh sorry, sorry,
1: sorry, sorry, Rico.
0: But
1: But uh, oh. Larry was a good. He was a good commentator. He was a young guy. So okay.
0: Uh, no, well, uh, I, condolences there too. I just I thought you meant Hall of Famer, and like I said, I, I knew I knew that Zonka. So okay, but but does it change I, the fact that we have lost a soul?
1: That's true. I, I understand. So the. Oh. Wrestling with the Futures family, our thoughts are with Shad and Larry's family and friends in this dark time. Yeah. So, as we look forward, guys, I appreciate you being here. Um, Like I said, we were the plan for today. We're going to discuss politics and sports, or excuse me, politics, and you got me thinking sports now, Rico. Politics and religion in the world of sports entertainment. So, to break it down, we'll start with the obvious. Religion in wrestling as an angle or a spot. And to do that, Mike, um, we're going to start with what is obviously the most probably well-talked about, at least in the last 20 years or so, and that was the infamous wrestle, uh, pay-per-view match featuring Shawn Michaels and God against Vince and Shane McMahon. Now, for those that don't remember that atrocity, and I apologize if I'm injecting too much opinion already, the it started from a WrestleMania match between Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon, which Shawn Michaels won, followed Vince McMahon uh, cutting a promo uh, blaming divine intervention because Shawn Michaels being a born-again Christian had become part of that. And this led to a series of vignettes where Vince McMahon recorded in a tr- in what was set up to look like a chapel or a church where he challenged God and claimed he was better than God. And that led to a match where, uh, of course, after some shenanigans being the evil McMahons, that uh Vince Penn Shawn Mike thus ah. winning the match Ooh. and being able to declare himself better. So Rico, having worked for him, I'm gonna bounce this first question. I, I just
0: you. I just had to dab off my tongue because I just bit it on <laughs> what you just said because of what he did. I, I see
2: I see Rico selling oh. the punch at every turn. Right? Oh so, so Rico that's perfect because I'm gonna bounce this first question to you. Um
1: what you've worked for Vince McMahon, you've, you've met him, you, you've, you've known him in the past. What mindset does a man put himself in to book an angle where he books himself over God?
0: You want my opinion, or
1: uh, yeah, just I my mean, opinion
0: he, he, arrogant, arrogant, obstinate, uh, no respect, uh, to call out somebody like God mm. and then include him in a performance. The Bible is very clear in several several scriptures. And to clarify to the audience, I am not a theologian, okay? so But I am an ordained, or was an ordained minister. I could marry and bury, okay? And we'll get into it later about sports and uh, God and what you're doing, you know, right. how you represent God. But as far as that angle, the 2006 angle— complete blasphemy complete disrespect for for our creator all right and um, and I'll, I'll make a general statement because there everybody believes in their creator Buddha uh, but there is a creator okay uh, mine happens to be God God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit that's my belief. Okay, so to start off, I don't want to offend anybody. They have their own belief. But I guarantee if Vince McMahon said he's going to take on one of Allah uh, Allah in a match and and do what he did on the video that Mr. Messier sent me, there would have been a lot of trouble and a lot of violence. The fact that we live in an America is the reason why he's probably still walking.
1: Right, It's interesting you mentioned that we'll actually get to okay uh, Vince McMahon offending Islam here in a bit. Oh, so Mike, uh, <laughs> continuing with this, the the obviously the reception was very negative. Uh, yes. the match didn't go over well and the vignettes were heavily panned. but what what as Rico mentioned, other than arrogance, what do you from the the filmmakers standpoint, like what what could you possibly hope to gain other than putting yourself over in this? what what who who is this designed to appeal to?
2: as a Christian myself, you try to look, I'll try to look at possibly the positive of that storyline. That was not terribly well conceived or executed, which is if you're exposing this storyline to say 2 million people and say 20 people say, how come Vince McMahon and Shawn Michaels are talking about God and how come Shawn Michaels is getting on his knees on the, um, you know, the, the Titan Tron entrance every time he comes to the ring. If, 30 or 50 people decide they're going to pick up a Bible and explore Christianity because of this storyline, then you'd say that 20 or 50 people had a religious uh, evolution because they saw something on television that although the message was clouded and controversial and stupid in its execution, somewhere there was a seed planted for some viewers. So that's trying to find a, a seed of goodness or positivity out of that. Um, for most yeah, of us, yes, for most of us that are not going to be so easily influenced or influenced by a WWE storyline for our religious beliefs, you're going to find it either boring or offensive. And I think Rico would probably say it was offensive. I found it more boring. Um, I found it more just WWE coming off of the Attitude Era, kind of w- what we now call the Ruthless Aggression Era, you know, right. Uh a lot of stuff they did during the Ruthless aggression era was just as attitudinal as the attitude era. It just was different because they weren't feuding with WCW. They had all this talent, including Rico, uh, under one roof. So to me, Shawn Michaels, I think, uh, provoked Vince McMahon a little bit because they are personal friends. Sean had a religious conversion through his wife, uh, mm-hmm. the former nitro girl, very beautiful woman, the mother of his children, and I think that maybe Vince and Sean wanted to take that real-life conversation that maybe they were having, Sean's Christianity, Vince's uh, either atheism or agnostic, agnosticism, if I said that right.
0: Um, agnostic, agnostic. Thank you. That's right, Riga.
2: Agnostic, Yes, I'm from uh, the South or the North, okay. so I can't speak. But uh, in any event, <laughs> they they had to take that behind-the-scenes conversation because, look, guys – if you're a Christian and you, and you have a friend that's an atheist, you might have a running conversation. So, what right. I think happened is that Vince and Sean had a real life running conversation and they put it in the ring. And okay. it was probably kind of more
1: life imitating art.
2: Right. It was probably more entertaining them, to them than it was to us, is what I'm okay. thinking. That's, you know, I'll go ahead, Rigo.
0: Okay. Uh, I have an atheist friend. I'm sure you've heard of him, Kenny Bolin. Sure. Mm-hmm. He is an atheist. And I always get him when I sneeze. He tells me, God bless you. I'm like, what? What would right. you say? God yeah. bless you? Uh, but, but I tease him. But he's an atheist. And, yeah. and that's okay. I'm a Christian. I'm a, see, but that never refa- affects our relationship. I don't right. try to convert him. He doesn't try to convert me. And even me as a Christian, as I am, I don't Bible thump people. I don't walk around and go, you got to do this. Pop like a chair. You know, this is what I believe, and this is my world, and this is how I do it. Now, if you come in offending my world, I'm going to defend my world, okay? On this angle that we're talking about with the 2006, mm-hmm. there are positive things, okay? I mean, I could take this and spin this another way. Now, we're all going on the glass half empty, okay? We're, we're looking at it like that because of came McMahon. We know that... When WCW Bischoff started stealing Vince's talent, mm-hmm. a lot of people left. So a lot of his heels left. So he did something very smart. He made himself the top heel because he's right. not going to leave his own company. Yeah. Okay. So he was smart there. So, uh, with the thing with Shawn Michaels and I got his, you know, I, did I like the angle? No. Could have been done better. Yeah. Should he have got advice? Yes. But there were things that they didn't do. That was that that is kind of skirting it. Like if Sean Michaels was getting beat up, and then he went to the corner and held his hand out for a tag to God, and nobody showed up, and then Vincent or Shane started beating him up, that's where I would have had a problem. Right. But they, I can they see didn't that. do that. But Sean prayed before, okay? Uh, he prayed beforehand and went down. He took on the match. It was it was definitely a handicap match. Sean never called upon God. He said you know, he believed in God.
1: You're saying that the fact that they booked it as kind of a more sat, satirical mockery instead of his him actually having a real partner in the ring, Vince selling to a spotlight or something like that, actually well, made it a little more palatable.
0: Well, I think Vince going over the top has created what we're talking about now. The light, the light coming down and him saying, oh, God's coming, blah, 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 blah. That's a little bit of mockery. I got scripture to back that up. Uh, You know, God does not even after Jesus Christ, God does not dwell in a temple of men made of hands. Right. That's Acts. That's Galatians. And I can get into that if you want. But. What I'm saying is, I think, uh, defending, not defending, I think Vince took it a little too far. Sean brought it in, like I said, right. by not going for the tag. Uh, Sean won WrestleMania, so Vince wants to be the winner here. Okay? Mm-hmm. He had help. Uh, did, I, didn't the Spirit, Spirit, Swan, the Spirit Yeah. Okay, so it took an insurmountable odds to beat Sean and God. Right. But Sean and, and... never ever denounced God, took the loss as a man, and, and never made an excuse. I never heard of I did and from what you sent me, I did some other research. I never heard of I never heard Sean say a promo that God deserted me.
1: Right, no, he didn't, no Okay. He, he, okay. Oh, okay. They, had built, they had built his born-again Christianity as part of his character, but it was a very respectful you know, they, because they, obviously you know, the whole lost his smile, he was in a bad place with the drugs and other things and yeah, he yeah, turned yeah, his yeah, life yeah. around and he gave a lot of the credit to Christianity and to his faith, so the, yeah. the God angle before it got perverted was actually done with a, a monicum of respect and admiration yeah. Well, uh, but, and, uh,
0: and like I said half full half empty. Exactly. I think Vince was trying to put him o- put himself over as such a heel and such an atheist. Right. That he he mocked. He mo- Now that's against the book. Yeah. Like I said, it's against it, but what was he trying to do? You know, and and nobody knows except Vince himself. Right. You know, but you don't you, you don't go around I'm and I'm only speaking about this. Wait till we get to the other ones, and we'll go there. But I'm just speaking oh, we'll, about... We'll cover it all. Yeah, but I'm just speaking about this. Vince's attempt, which he didn't get much advice, it really made him look like an asshole. Sorry, Vince. You look like an <laughs> asshole doing what you did. You go into a church, and you're right. mocking God. Where are you? Where are you? Where are yeah. you? I, I, a lot of people said that here in, in, in this Bible. A lot of people said that, and then when not not expected, he showed up. Daniel the yeah. Lions. And Dave, you think that Dave having Goliath. go go ahead,
2: you, go ahead, Mike. You'd think that having a you think that having a son-in-law who calls himself the King of Kings might turn Vince's cold heart around. I mean, that's oh. one, that's one thing that people don't talk about. If you look at the WrestleMania 22 uh, entrance of Triple H, a lot of people compare that to Conan. I compare that. It looked like Jesus on steroids. I mean, you have <laughs> Triple H coming oh, in.
1: He
0: call himself and, King of Kings. It, yeah, tri- that,
1: that was tri- his. That was the King of King. Bow down to the King is kind of his heel moniker, and then the game, and because he has two different entrances. Yeah, yeah has yeah, got yeah. He's yeah. got the game, and he's got Bow down to the King, and the King of Kings is more of his heel character, which I'll get at. I'll get at here in a minute.
0: Okay, um, all right, all right. But <laughs>
1: to go off uh, what you guys were saying is, yeah, you got to look at who you're marketing to. But before we continue, I wanted to kind of get into the conversation, let everybody kind of get a feel for how the roundtable is going. Uh, Before we continue, I want to make one quick announcement, a huge one for the show. Uh, Obviously, this is going up on a Thursday. Next Thursday, uh, the special guest on Wrestling with the Future will be superstar Bill Dundee. So that's that's a a huge win for us, and we're looking forward to the chance to talk to him. He was uh, anybody that was ever a fan of the Territory Days. Huge, huge name there. Um, so, f- to to get a feel for how everything's going with the show, superstar Bill Dundee will be our guest, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him.
2: Hey, Dan. Well, real quick, real Two, quick. two things. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I think
0: Mike's going to say the same thing. Uh, your camera's starting to shake. Whatever you're doing is making your camera shake. <clears throat> so put something underneath it, or harden it up. Because when you're talking, I guess you're putting your arms. Who's that? Me, I'm gonna have to, not new. I'm gonna have to check for my camera's on a tripod, so I'm gonna have to check for. it. Oh.
2: Okay. Well, I, I, maybe it's just his. the excitement of Superstar Bill Dundee, but I, I just wanted to say that uh, fans, WCW fans, might remember Superstar Bill Dundee. I think is Sir William, and he escorted Stephen Regal to the ring, or uh, you know, William Regal, Stephen Regal, the WCW Television Title in the '94 era. But right. also as a competitor, Bill Dundee is on the Mount Rushmore of Memphis Wrestling, along with Austin Idol, Jerry Lawler, and Jimmy Hart in my book. Yep. And I believe that Bill Dundee wrestled wrestling's first scaffold match against Coco Beware.
1: Wow. That that sounds about right. So, I mean, huge, huge name there. But uh, continuing with our with our talk, uh, Mike, you mentioned you talked about the transition from the Attitude Era to Ruthless Aggression, we're going to step back a little bit into the Attitude Era, continuing with the WWF, a series of angles, maybe more spots they did that the internet community has since dubbed the Russo Fictions, where the Undertaker, using his symbol, really? uh, would... in. Uh, sort of in a a crucify a crucifixion style but it was the sacrifice to the character that had been identified as the greater power with of course the most prominent of his victims being a young stephanie mcmahon but uh steve austin among others faced that so going back to that moniker of where you draw the line with and we're going to touch on a more uh, much more obvious uh, crucifixion image here shortly but is it is it different because it's a symbolic sacrifice on something that kind of resembles a cross, or is that a line? You just don't blur Rico. What are your thoughts on that? Me or Mike Rico? What are, what are your thoughts on that? You're the,
0: okay. Fish. Um, crucifixion was a form of punishment. Greeks did it. Uh, Romans did it. Uh, uh, uh Japanese did it and they did crucify, crucify people upside down. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that um, crucifixion could last, you could last three, four hours, or you could last three or four days. Now, there was different type of crucifixions. And they say, you, I mean, they show Jesus carrying the cross and all. That. that cross was 300 damn pounds. Right. So Jesus Jesus didn't carry the cross. He carried the cross beam, which is about 75 to 100 R pounds. So right. that's what he carried through the city and was flogged. With the leather, right. with the steel beads, and all that stuff. But uh, there was a lot of crucifixion going on, and not and Romans weren't the only ones that did it. Like I said, upside down. There's even, it's not really confirmed, but the Apostle Paul was crucified upside down. Okay? Um, if people kept lasting too long, they would break the tibia and fibia of these people's right. bones. Yeah,
1: they, they would break your legs and you'd suffocate.
0: Well, there's legs, but the tib and fib is easy because, and you, you'd asphyxiate because your arms right. are way up here. Not only did they not only nail, they never nailed through the hands. They always nailed through the radial ulna. That's right. Okay. And, or they tied. They would tie you. They not all this time. Now, because cast iron back then was hard to come by. So yes.
1: nails were worth a fortune.
0: Yeah. So they would reuse nails, the crucifixion nails. Like now, sometimes they. Uh, They'd do this, but then they would put the feet on either side of that footstool and cr- and run the nail this way, so now you were like this, and right. then they had different styles because you were bent you were your your knees were up, but whatever they just wanted to make it humiliating that well, was the whole big thing of that
1: so Mikey Here's. as Rigo explained in in great detail the the, the image of the crucifixion uh with that carrying such a, a connotation of faith and death and punishment do you think what's the what do you think the mindset was back then I know the attitude era was all about pushing every envelope you could get your hands on but the mindset of using something so symbolic uh, just as kind of a i don't even want to say a throwaway but it was it, it didn't matter in the grand scheme of the character. It was just they could have done anything for that. What drives them? What do you think drives them to, to, to make that kind of symbolic gesture?
2: Well, I think, I think what drives them is money. And I think in the Attitude Era, not, we're talking 97, 98, 99. There right. still was throughout those years, no matter which side was winning WWE or WCW, WWF at the time pushed the envelope inspired by ECW, pushed the envelope as far as they could. Because of their relationship with the USA Network, as compared to WCW and the TNT and TBS networks, WWF had more leeway. So yes. they took advantage of that. And the culture uh, for kids uh, growing up now, this was the era of South Park. This was the era of Howard Stern, Private Parts, being the number one book in the country. Right. Uh, the late 90s, uh, in, in the wake of the death of Kurt Cobain, Tupac Shapur uh, Biggie Smalls, Pop culture was pushing the envelope, hardcore, and in a way that not even today, you know. I mean, just now we're seeing on AEW uh, swearing and on WWE swearing, but we hadn't right. seen that in like 10 or 15 years in wrestling. So yeah. in the late 90s, the culture was pushed the envelope. The Undertaker, my theory on this, guys, is that The Undertaker had been a very um, favored wrestler for a long time at this point, for about 10 years in WWF but when the rock was a super popular baby face when austin was a super popular babyface, you had to have a couple of heels and the heel right. and foley became a super over baby face with the book and have a nice day in sacco so they had to take the undertaker who was kind of the last man standing of the end of the golden era the late 80s early 90s they made him a heel but for people to really boo the undertaker their natural inclination is to cheer the Undertaker. To boo right. this guy, you're going to have to make him the ministry, the the art, the right. the ministry. They had to make him as close to a Satanist as they could without saying that the Undertaker's a Satanist and he's leading a satanic cult. True, they had to, is, right, which was they,
1: the, the, the the mantra behind the Greater Power. Now, right. I'm glad you mentioned Satanism because we're going to move on to another gimmick that was very popular. Well, well wait, or, so, go ahead, we'll, Rico. Go there yeah.
0: uh, with with Undertaker notice how they did undertake him, the ministry you know acolytes and the brood and all that stuff uh they never really not that i remember unless you can enlighten me they, did he really worship a deity of satanic did no, was they, there a person
1: they, they referred to what they what he called a greater power okay. which was okay. later revealed to be Vince McMahon
0: okay so it was so there was no no
1: there was no nothing i mean you, you in had, the had you had the you had the the uh, ministry tone of, yeah. you know, the, the acolytes with the symbols on their chest and Midian with the star on his forehead, yeah. but right. there was no direct va'ala, say, ke- uh, something I will mention in a bit here, Kevin yeah. Sullivan right, in right, Florida, right. where he was literally speaking right. in tongues, devil worshiping.
0: Right. right. So this is where I think Vince pushed that envelope, but pushed it okay. He is trying to get somebody who is a face, trying to get him to a heel. Right. So like i said crucifixion was was uh the form of punishment back in that day so Mm -hmm. when you you put stephanie upside down or you put her on a cross and you didn't do certain things i think that is okay you're trying to show a heel he has a group that believe the deity he held the deity uh this this the, what did you call it? Power. The greater, higher power. Power, power. The greater, the greater power. power yeah. Okay, okay. So, but you didn't know who this greater power was, and eventually you found out it's Vince, and you're like, "Screw that! Who the yeah, hell is well, Vince there, the, uh, uh, obviously. See,
1: go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, but you, but but you see what I'm saying? It went, it went, it went, right. and then you found out who the deity was. Oh, it's a stupid Vince. Yeah, it, it, the, the reason the why real...
2: stupid. It was the, stupid Vince because they were supposed to bring in Christopher Daniel from the Independence, and Vince an Angel too short. right right. You got Vin, it. Vince,
1: <laughs> Vince rejected him at the, fr- the day they met because he said he was too small. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, but I'll tell you, what, that's the first guy I ever wrestled and, in EWF. And, well, really? Yeah, the first man I ever wrestled, my first match was Christopher Daniels, and he was the fallen angel.
1: This was this in, in Ohio or
0: yeah. no okay. Empire Wrestling Federation, the oh, little league, right, right. Jesse Hernandez. <laughs> the first guy I wrestled and got me through my match was Christopher Daniels.
1: Very cool. I did not yeah. know
0: that. So, oh, oh, there you go.
1: Wrestling, go wrestling with the future audience, you learn something new every day on this program.
2: Also, for historical context, real quick Marilyn Manson at the time was a big pop culture act, like Marilyn Manson was huge around this time. Right. And he, his concerts were filled of representations. Yeah, symbols. this was the
1: this was the evolution from the Marilyn Manson to the Hot Topic era and all that. Yeah. But well, moving well, on, well, you were talking with with this greater power. Something that happened. We're going to continue to travel back through uh, back in time yeah. in early nineteen nineties WCW when Kevin Sullivan embraced the Taskmaster gimmick, and yeah. he also addressed a higher power and. This was this was WCW Kevin Sullivan. We're gonna get to his Florida territory days, but this was in WCW he embraced the higher power and they gave him the power to recruit what what would end up being the Dungeon of Doom, which was he sold his soul to kind of a symbolic power to get what he needed to defeat Hulkamania. So right. I, I'm wondering because obviously he, the Taskmaster turned evil. And that didn't work. Hulkamania, the the big World War Three match, or excuse me, the uh, yeah World War Three match where the Hulkamaniacs defeated the Dungeon of Doom, and then that's the the giant introduced, and some other things. But you you see that you see the comparison where the it's very common to have your wrestlers, without directly implying Satan or some of these other evils, you go into uh, kind of a uh, I'm gonna sell my soul or I'm gonna imply that I sold my soul to a greater power. But now. Getting into the final bit we want to talk about with angles or spots is the one that I know Rico you you mentioned was easily the worst is a moment in ECW oh. where a match between Raven and the Sandman resulted in the Sandman being crucified on a very obvious beam wooden cross, and they even put barbed wire a barbed wire crown of thorns on him. And now the thing that, that sticks out with this was it was wasn't part of the match it wasn't like a crucify crucifixion match they really didn't touch on it very much after that on ecw programming it just became a a shock moment for shock moments which paul Heyman was known for at the time but i'm wondering rico you you mentioned before in the conversation we had the other day preparing for this show that that was just the the worst like where at the moment picturing that image with say uh the Sandman litter- on a literal, literal Crucifixion where does, where does That line where is that line where You cross it from a, a symbol to this is too much Just straight blasphemy
0: I did reading and I went back And for crucifixions
1: mm-hmm.
0: Okay Crucifixion was A normal form of punishment like I've said before okay if they Want to punish a Sandman they want to crucify Him tie him put him on a crucifix And do that that's fine The minute you put a crown of thorns On that man you now Have mocked Jesus Christ Because that's as far as I know and as far as I've read The literature I've read and the theologians I've spoken to Jesus was the only one that wore a crown Of thorns because he claimed To be king of the Jews Romans mocking him Put the crown on him But put a crown of thorns the minute you put a crown of thorns on Sandman, now you're equating him to Jesus, which is blasphemy at the the, the highest level, which insults me. Tremend- when I saw that, I, I I was enraged.
1: No, I can't the- argue with that, Mike. Real quick, uh, to add something to add to the, do you think it was worse because it was the Sandman character who was famous at the time for the beer drinking, bad mouth. I mean, ECW really didn't have any good guys, but the Sandman is about as far from a Jesus imagery as ECW had. Yeah, do you, and, think and that, he, do you think that made that symbol worse?
2: I don't think it made it worse. I mean, I think if they had done the same thing to Tommy Dreamer or Shane Douglas or one of the Pitbulls or a woman, I mean, they could have done it to Beulah or Francine, and it would have been even more disturbing. I think Rico hit a great point that the barbed wire crown of, uh, you know, barbed wire crown, it's really weird, and right. the interesting thing—if uh, you want to give one. the yeah—if you want to give the many credit—is that uh, they did the 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 audience that hardened ECW Philadelphia audience was aghast, and at the end of the night, you know, Paul Heyman I guess sent Raven Scott Levy uh, out into the ring, and Scott Levy as you know, Raven broke character and basically apologized, and so that apology to the fans and and Scott or Raven basically said, you people respected my privacy when I had to go away with deal with personal issues, and I'm going to respect your religious beliefs if I'm – for those of you that I offended, I sincerely apologize. And he put the microphone down, mm-hmm. and they never aired the broadcast, and the first time I really saw the footage was on the WWE ECW DVD release moving forward to, like, 2005.
1: Right, it's actually – it's interesting you mention that because the first time I saw it, they had a uh an, an ext- like the the worst or best of I guess whichever way you want to look at it of ECW uh, a couple years back. That was the first time I'd ever seen it. But um, moving on, now we looked at at gimmicks and we looked or excuse me, we looked at, at angles and spots. I want to look at gimmicks now. Uh, we're gonna break this down. Most religious gimmicks throughout wrestling last uh, almost almost instantly they're they're gone before they start so i'm going to look at a couple of of rest religious inspired gimmicks that came and went before people even realized uh most i guarantee there's gonna be a lot of people in the audience that don't even remember these characters at all and the first one i want to touch with because this he was he disappeared because of a direct complaint from the catholic church was the character of friar ferguson now friar ferguson if you guys remember was just a fat goofy evil monk and, you know, that, like I said, a poor crowd reaction combined with uh, complaints from the Catholic Church and obviously other religious groups because you had a, a friar that was pitched as evil, which is oh. something
2: we'll get to, we'll get to in a bit. Booger Bastion. Right. Bastion Booger and, and
0: ba- Ch- yeah, Chuck Corbin. Exactly. I mean, Norman, Booger,
2: Mike Shaw. Mike Shaw yep. who was actually, I believe, Mock and Singh and Calgary Stampede had some of the best matches with Owen Hart as a big man. But yeah. you're right, Dan. He was repackaged several times by WWF, and Friar Ferguson is one of those characters that didn't make it.
1: Correct. Now, another uh, one. Can you we, Can I about, say oh, something? Oh, sorry real go real ahead, quick?
0: Rico. Okay. Yeah, of course. Now, I'm j- just to back up what I've been saying and what we've been talking about. You know, in, Gal- in um, Galatians, all okay. right, chapter six. I'm going to go to verse six and seven. It says, and let the one who is taught. The word share all good things with him who who uh, teaches. And seven says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows this. He well so shall so weep. So you're going to start mocking God, whether it's Vince, Raven, whatever. You're you're you got to you got to pay atonement for this, whether it's here or whether it's up there. You you're going to you're you're going you're, you're gonna to have to do that, you know. God's not my he, uh, you you cannot use God as a acting tool. Okay? Right. Um and I'm going to go this on both sides. Now, if you want to claim you're a Christian, born again, I know because I don't know if you guys know this, but Angela knows this. I accepted Jesus Christ on the Metal Arc Lemon Show at the AIM conference on live TV.
2: Hmm. Okay. Didn't know that.
0: Yeah, and Trotter, legend. Yep. And I thought I was a a Christian because I was Roman Catholic. Right. All right. right. I wasn't. And Metalog brought that to to um, uh, light and I accepted Jesus on his show. But what I'm saying is that everything has a price with this. You know, if you're a Christian, okay, you got to live Christian. Now we understand wrestling you 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 you're doing a job. You're entertaining and stuff like that. But if you're gonna include God into your repertoire, you better be flawless, right? Because he and just as like I read in Galatians, God is not mocked. He's not something to make money off of. I also heard a story, and I don't want to divulge, but you know the Pisces, the fish. Yes. Yes. Okay. I was taught that when two Christians sat together and they wanted to discuss Jesus Every everybody over there carried sticks one would draw a line this way And if he knew you were a Christian, he drew a line the other way which became the fish Mm -hmm. So you could talk Christianity without being killed,
1: right? It was the historical secret symbol
0: secret symbol Shawn Michaels wore the fish on his chest Vince was told, I got to blur this out. Middle Eastern countries, we're going to offend people. Mm -hmm. From what I heard, and I got to find it, it's not fact. So this is on rumor right now. Now, if this is true, this is bad. Vince and Sean uh, Sean got together and said, okay, we're going to make it different looking and put it on your shirt and then go out and make money on it.
2: This is Sean's book.
0: Yeah. Oh, Not, okay, okay, no you, big okay. Secret. it's in his book, Sean,
2: okay. Sean, Sean's book, I, I pointed that out a couple, like, a, basically a year and a half ago, I was reading Sean's book, and I was offended by that passage, because yeah. basically Sean, who claims all these Christian beliefs, and I'm never going to wrestle again, except in Saudi Arabia for a lot of money, um, Sean has displayed in my book, Hypocrisy. Exactly. and. yeah.
1: You know, yeah, we're not we're
0: going to we're not going to touch on Saudi Arabia, but um, oh,
2: that's
1: right. What, <laughs> no, no. But what,
0: but what I'm saying is what Sean did is blasphemy. It, it's against the Holy Spirit. It's against God. It's against whatever he is saying he is, yeah, you know, much OK, like we talked
1: about much like we mentioned with The Undertaker, the the it's it's not uncommon for characters to twist slightly or redesign a religious symbol for their own sake. I know yeah. T- Test had this, a cross. this was more we're of a behind on, this. Like, some of the other characters we're going to touch on. All right. That. Right. Yeah, Rico.
0: But what I'm saying is the undertaker did what he did, but in the end he revealed his higher power was Vince
1: was a person. Correct. Yeah. See, it
0: wasn't a deity. It wasn't God. See, so I think he was safe there. He right. did what he did with the act. Like he did the angle. And, and I think that's an OK angle, you know, right, just because you use satanic or you use God, whatever. And like I said before, Sean was tag team partners with God, according to Vince. Right. I don't remember in those those clips, Sean saying God was his tag team partner.
1: No, he he definitely played it like he was going it in alone. And Vince was. Crazy. He, yeah.
0: So he was but, going you know, in,
1: which, which leads to go ahead, God was on his
0: side. God yes. is on, now God's on everybody's side who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God's on their side. Okay. But like I said, which would have made it different is if Sean was getting his butt kicked and he went to the corner to tag and then no tag. And that then God
2: gave been, him the short arm.
0: Yeah. See, and that, <laughs> and that and God, that God gave bad. him
2: the Barry Windham Lex Luger, 1988. Yeah. There you yeah, Dan's got, Dan's got such a nice outline for this show. Let's let Dan go back okay. to
1: the outline. Well, okay. uh, no, 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 you, you you're, letting you guys talk that's that's half the fun of a round table is the conversation but um <laughs> as we were touching on friar ferguson continuing with the uh, offensive religious gimmicks that went nowhere before they became the headbangers mosh and thrasher yeah. Meshel, for a very short time as the flying nuns which is yep. another gimmick that, that went nowhere and ended up with complaints and offensive uh off- you know offended people and they ended up pulling it pretty instantly um uh, Continuing with the religious gimmick, which interestingly goes back to what you were talking about, Rico, with changing some of the religious symbols, uh, originally pitched as a foil to The Undertaker in the mid to, uh, mid to, I guess, mid to late 2000s. Uh, I guess I'm trying to think when it was specifically.
2: Mordecai? Mordecai, Mordecai. Yes.
1: Uh, I, I came up with Mordecai him. With his, his, his white hair and his all-white suit and his white cross. Now, Mordecai, obviously, he ended up getting repackaged later on.
0: Kevin, uh, Thorne. Kevin
1: Thorne and Mordecai, his debut uh, pay-per-view match against hardcore Holly. And he uh, just, it was rough, but, but Mordecai was obviously built up, but he spent more time on promos than he did actually in the ring. Cause it was another character that got dropped pretty instantly. Uh, keeping with characters that spent more time on promos, we're going to actually get a little bit away from the Christianity symbol and look more towards just religion as a whole got is it. the cult side. Now, um, Bray Wyatt in, in his current incarnation has a, a puppet in the Wyatt in the Wyatt house named Waylon the Buzzard. Now, uh, or excuse me, Mercy the Buzzard. And Mercy the Buzzard is named after Waylon Mercy, who was a character that helped. He he the the he helped Bray Wyatt create the Wyatt family character. Waylon Mercy was a cult leader. He wore the shirt. He had the white pants. He had the the fancy speak. That was another character that, despite being popular at least among certain fans, it didn't really go very far. Now, uh, continuing with that, you have Bray Wyatt, uh, Kevin Sullivan. I'm curious. Uh, I'm going to ask Mike your thoughts on this since you have, tend to have the, the narrative opinions. Is the the cult leader is usually booked? It's very common. It's not. I would say very common, but it's not an uncommon character to be the cult leader, the sharp tongue. However. In the case of of Bray Wyatt, in the case of the Taskmaster, in the case of Wayland Mercy, they're always booked weak, and they're I I, I can't remember a cult leader ever winning a feud long term. I'm wondering why is cult such an easy throwaway gimmick to put on somebody you're not going to push.
2: I, I will tell you one guy that I think did uh, do it well and was used correctly as a cult leader was uh, aforementioned Raven in ECW and That's right, the Flock. Uh, the flock and to a less, and if you look at ECW, you see the thing with fans now is if they go to the WWE network to watch ECW, it's not the same because they don't have the music. If you yeah. saw Raven coming to the ring with that song, Hey, Hey, come out and play, um, you know, by the, by the band, uh, the slip in my mind right now, the name of the band, but Raven, uh, the Beulah McGillicuddy, Kimono, want to Leah, uh Leia, Brian Lee, the feud with Dreamer, and Raven was over. And yes,
1: now, now that was that was ECW Raven. WCW Raven, the flock outside of Perry Saturn and the occasional Reese or, or Horace, uh, uh, Sick Boy, Riggs, um, Kidman, they, Loki, they, they were all jobbers, pretty much.
2: Well, they, they basically is because WCW creatively, uh, and Eric Bischoff has said this many times on his podcast, 83 Weeks, um they eric bischoff did not get or appreciate the raven character mm-hmm. so they signed him for more money that he was making in ecw but if if the guy who's running creative bischoff does not believe in the character then it's only right. going to go so far so they gave raven a grand total of one day with the u.s title uh, i think he beat ddp and he lost to goldberg the next goldberg night on raw night. i'm sorry the next night on nitro mm-hmm. and but I would, I would say these are the cult leaders that have worked raven uh, Bray Wyatt and, you know, everyone else uh, from the Wayland Mercies who didn't last to uh, the Truth Commission guy who's now Cyrus. Uh, you know, he had the Truth Commission for a, mm-hmm. a cup of coffee and WWF in 97.
1: Right. Now, a lot of people that's actually I'm glad you brought that up. That's we're going to touch on that a little bit in, in the political side. Um, but so. Keep, well, my keep, po- keep your Well, go ahead.
2: My point is that I think it's an easy fix when you have a mid, what I call mid card mania. You know, if I were the Booker, one of these type of uh, midweek shows would be dedicated once a month to what I would call mid card mania. I'd take all my mid card wrestlers, the Apollo Cruises of the world, and I'd feature them in a show without a main event with a Roman Reigns or a Seth Rollins or a Drew McIntyre. I'd let the mid card guys shine, and I would have
1: that's that's what Nitro. Did with it when they first went to three hours was the first hour was your cruiser weights and your undercard,
2: yeah, because they were unopposed because it raw wasn't on yet, correct? So, from eight to nine. So, my point with mentioning mid card mania was I think when the bookers or the creatives they have an excess of talent, they have a Reese, they have a Billy Kidman, they have you know a bunch of guys that they don't know what to do with. The easy fix is put them with Raven, put a t shirt on them, put the hood on them. You know, you have that now in AEW with the mask guys. They're uh, yeah, the, the, whatever the, that group the, uh, is called. My God. As, oh, my
1: God. As, my, as my buddy uh, Jim Cornette calls them the Dark order.
2: The dark order. Now, guess guess what? I actually kind of dig the dark order. I don't know why, but I just kind of do. But you take a bunch of bums and you put them in masks and you say, you're the dark order. And suddenly you've gotten guys who, who knows, maybe they're the younger brothers or the young boys, as it were, of the wrestling group. And they, they yeah. give them something to do. So
0: because it Rico, creates a dichotomy. On, right. It creates a, dichot- it, it creates a dichotomy, just like they did with Cain. Cain was Cain with that mask. As right. soon as they took it off him, he no longer became Kane That's true. So okay. now you've got a bunch mayor. of guys. Yeah. Now you got these guys a mask, which creates a mystique, a dichotomy, and you can do anything you want with them. So now, go let, ahead with the other let, thing.
1: Let me ask some, Rico. Uh, touching on the, on the, what, Mikey was saying, if you have these cult leaders who maybe work, or even if they're someone like a Raven or a Bray Wyatt who can carry their own in the ring and on the mic, if you book them or if you fill their their cult their stable with losers that that amount to nothing, that creative has nothing for, or in the case of the Dark Order, that the heaviest one is like one hundred and ten pounds, you know, where they, they 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 they're not a threatening presence. Do, do you feel that weakens the character?
0: Well, we're gonna go back to Raven, ECW. I'm going to say he had a lot of input on what his character was going to do, and that's why it was so successful. As soon as they put him somewhere else, somebody got the great idea that they had a better idea than him, and right. but he was making it work over there. Why fix it if it's not broken? He had right. a system, and it was working. You brought him here for more money and all this stuff, and, and now you told him what he was going to do. Raven... Knew what he wanted to do. He knew how to get to the crowd. He had the psychology. I don't care what you're doing. Okay. Mordecai. Okay. I knew the guy. Okay. They just they did they did to Mordecai what they did to me. You're the stylist. Okay, what kind of stylist? Am I a hairstylist? What stylist? But they just said, work it out, flesh it out yourself. Well, they did the same thing to Mordecai. And unfortunately. At that time in his age and his experience, he could not flesh out a Mordecai character. Mm-hmm. If you'd have gave it to me and you told me you wanted a Mordecai character, I'd have fleshed out a Mordecai character. Because I'm, i I'm, like I said, and I've told you and i told Mike and I've even right. told Angelo. The characters that Vince told me to do is exactly 180 of my personality. Right. right,
1: which goes to what you were saying, and we talked about before, Rigo with the, the best wrestlers being yourself turned up to eleven. Yeah. Which I, I'm curious. Uh, I'm gonna actually. I'm, I'm glad you you brought that up because that'll be a good stepping point for the next part. Uh, we're gonna talk about is the religious characters that actually stuck around. These are the characters that worked, and some of them you know, obviously maybe inspired slightly by the uh, the person being who true to more true to who they are. So the first one we're going to look at, we talked about him already. This was in the Florida Territory, and this is probably the the best or worst example, depending on how you feel, is Kevin, Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan in the Florida Territory was a literal devil worshiper. He yeah. wore makeup. He, he spoke in tongues. He talked about Lu, uh, Lucifer. He was a literal devil worshiper who sold his soul to try and be better in Florida, and that character now for Florida and the territory, that character got over well. It was popular in the territories.
0: Bible Kevin, belt. What's that? Bible belt.
1: Yeah, Kevin Kevin Sullivan carried a uh, he carried the, his, that character with him for most of his ah. career. He was some version of the Taskmaster, even ah. even much later on in the Indies. And I think that shows that sometimes, and and I've. I, I've met Kevin Sullivan at conventions I've crossed paths with him. He's a down-to-earth, nice guy. Very, very good heart, which is unusual for someone who so well plays evil, pure evil, to be a good person. So who knows? But um, some, uh, continuing with the devil gimmick, we're going to go on to uh, one of my favorite talkers in the history of the business. And I think the second best laugh only to Ted DiBiase is a guy by the name of James Mitchell. Now, James Mitchell ran the character, the Sinister Minister, he called himself.
0: Oh, and I saw a little bit of he, that. Correct.
1: He was a manager in several promotions, and he was. He always had the red coat, and he had the, the beard, and he very much...
0: And the eyebrows.
1: Correct, and the eyebrows. James Mitchell looked like you would expect the devil to look in, in an 80s movie. If, you, if the devil is sitting at a restaurant making deals, it's yeah. going to look like the way James Mitchell did. And yeah. that's actually interesting. That's something he carried over. Into some of the faith-based promotions that came up was playing the foil to defeat the devil at the end of the show. So, Mike, I'm going to touch on you.
0: Defeat, wait, defeat the devil or yes. defeat an angel?
1: No, defeat the devil. He he by 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 beating the you know the it, the religious theme wrestling would want to defeat the devil at the end of the show. Okay, yeah,
0: but okay, so Sinister Minister was a devil. Yes, right. Okay, incorrect. okay. I I I I lost you there. Got to... Too many hits to the head. Sorry. So I, I had to catch up. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I
1: understand. So, so, Mike, we're touching on that, the, the character like a uh, 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 James Mitchell or Kevin Sullivan, the, these characters, these sh- literal devils, why do you think compared to something like a higher power or, as, as Rigo mentioned, stuff that maybe doesn't entirely work, why do you think if you straight devil, demon, 100% up, you know, 666 imagery... That, that that works. Why do people accept that? Is it because it's it's straight to the point, or is it because it's it's more evil? Why do you what, think that character works?
2: I'll, I'll quote once again. Shout out to Eric Bischoff, and maybe he'll give us a retweet or something for the, all these shoutouts to Bischoff. Uh, I know that you know he was once uh, involved in your wedding ceremony or your friend's wedding ceremony, Rico, a long time ago. <laughs> Eric Bischoff, but um, couple Eric of buddies. Bischoff, yeah, er, Eric Bischoff said that wrestling needs to be in big bold neon colors and i think eric was maybe talking about dusty rose or uh, other bookers who wanted to have nuances of gray or the nwo there'd be nuances of gray between red and white nwo and red and Mm -hmm. black nwo but what basically bischoff was saying is when wrestling is at its best when the audience is connecting with it the most it's Big neon colors, here's your good guy. Big neon color, here's your bad guy. And I think the the thing with the devil, let me just finish this.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Let me just finish this thought. I'm just giving you the nod. You are absolutely 120% right. Go ahead, but I'm giving you the nod.
2: Well, it's like with this that um, Dan's bringing up the difference between the higher power we, you know undertaker who's a 6 foot 9 badass that everyone's respected for 10 years in 1999 he's paying homage to an invisible higher power and the big reveal is a farton church which is it's just Vince who we've already seen feud with stone cold for 2 years by then yeah that's vague that is vague and that yeah. is not focused like a film when you have a focused antagonist like have you ever seen a movie that has a great antagonist, you know, Rocky won its Apollo Creed. But if you saw the movie Under Siege, it had Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones were both yeah. heels against yeah. um, Steven Seagal.
0: Yeah. Now,
2: Under Siege, because you got Erica, uh, Erica Elniak and all these wonderful things, it's still a great movie. <laughs> but you have two heels. You have Tommy Lee Jones and you have Gary Busey fighting for screen time. That makes that movie less great than, say, Rocky. With Apollo Creed or Die Hard, where you have the one kingpin bad guy.
0: Because so you're dividing, point- you're dividing your hate. Yes, You've got yes, to hate each yes. one, one for divide one for going against so- the United States Navy and one who was a secret operative who right. felt slighted. So now you cannot turn all your attention to Tommy Lee Jones because Gary Busey is trying to steal some spotlight. You know, Correct. and yeah, so I understand what you're saying as a filmmaker. Yes, y- y- you know, if you'd have had one heel, that it would have been a better movie,
1: right? Only, and that's only on was, the round table can we get from wrestling to Steven Seagal movies.
0: Well, it's the point is
2: that if, you, if you're the question is, how come the higher power of Vince McMahon didn't work? And there's still a popular meme of Vince taking off the robe and saying, It's me, Austin, it was me all along. But if you say, How come that was not as successful? as James Mitchell uh, in TNA and ECW and the Indies and Kevin Sullivan as the devil worshiper in Florida and so forth, it's because focus, uh, definitively, this is Kevin Sullivan. He's evil. He's not looking to someone else higher than him. He's Mm -hmm. the guy. Mitchell's the guy. Um, I was not a huge, you should go ahead.
1: I was saying, you're saying that because, instead of for focusing on something vague like a higher power because you're you're literally saying the villain is the devil, you can focus your your heat more and as such become just kind of a more successful yeah. character.
2: Correct. You're saying that Kevin Sullivan is the bad guy. He's not praying, you know, he mentioned a Buddha ding, you know, the the yeah. African god of fertility or whatever. But yeah. for the most part, if you went to see Dusty Rose versus Kevin Sullivan in the Eddie Graham Sports Complex 1983 in Florida, you want to see Kevin Sullivan get his ass kicked. You want to see, wow. you know, his buddy Mark Lewin get his ass kicked. I mean, just to go back to that group real quick, I mean nancy Nancy, uh, Sullivan at the time or or who he became Nancy Benoit. My God, was she smoking hot in those well, bikinis? That was, yeah, that was the
1: woman gimmick too. Yeah, the, but
2: that was before the woman gimmick. She was. Well, I'm a, saying that was
1: an the, that was the precursor. Her quiet, right. kind of dark demeanor that was the precursor to the woman gimmick.
2: Yeah, she was smoking hot. You had Luna Vachon, uh, you had Mark Lewin, who was a wrestler from the '60s still holding on. I mean, that was a great... the reason why that worked, guys. Because a it was a different era. You never saw anything like that in 1983 in a territory. No. You no. had you you had them coming out with snakes. Rico hit upon it, the Bible Belt. You've mm-hmm. got this area of Florida that's not used to seeing a, a smoking hot brunette in a bikini, you know, with this older guy with these giant leg muscles. I mean, it was right. crazy. And
1: yeah. and no no offense, like I said, I I respect his one of the better minds in wrestling. Looking at Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, I mean, in nineteen eighties Nancy was was visually out of his league to the fans too. I think that kind of turned an eyebrow.
0: But then again, like I like I was telling you uh when we spoke the other day, it's and even with Mordecai, you gotta engulf the character you're going to be. If you're going to be a Satanist, you gotta be a Satanist as a method actor. You Definitely. you you have to take on this role. Mordecai yes. flopped because well, and, it's funny
1: you mentioned method acting, because if you remember, like you mentioned Eddie Graham. I mean, Kevin Sullivan was a Satanist. He was the devil worshiper in an era where kayfabe was still real. He had to keep a lot of this aura when yeah. he was at the supermarket and out on the street. Yeah. So that, that was a good work on him. Now, continuing on with characters, I want to kind of do a flip from the d- devil demon characters to one who wore the collar uh, in in the at the dawn of the brand split in WWE, uh, when the Dudley boys split up, Devon became Reverend Devon. Now Reverend Devon came. He by the way, awesome theme music. If anybody looked right. that up, that was one of my favorite entrance songs of that era. But he came out with the collar and the testify, and he you know obviously the the introduction of Batista as the deacon with well, the money box.
0: Uh, that's how they got Batista up,
1: right? Is because of the. And,
0: the testify stuff
1: now that was a preacher character who was the villain which i'm gonna which i kind of want to touch on because we we looked at at all the different characters and obviously we've we've talked uh at length already about Bray wyatt and about the undertaker now reverend devon is unique because of the preacher gimmick but if you look at the list that we went over uh james mitchell uh kevin sullivan the the Reverend Devon, Bray Wyatt, The Undertaker, uh, they're all, they're all heels. And the, the last one to mention that fits that mold wasn't entirely religious inspired was the Brother Love character. Brother Love was a parody of the television evangelist at the time, the red face, I love you. And, and he did, you know, the, the Brother Love show was done from a pulpit, you know, which, I think if you look at, and then we go back to the characters we talked about—the ones that flopped, your flying nuns, your Friar Ferguson, your Mordecai—every religious gimmick that anybody really remembers in wrestling was a heel. Yeah. And now Rico, I'm I'm going to ask you as a man from the business who's who's had to sit and think gimmicks before. Why is it when religion, because even even those such as as Friar Ferguson or Reverend Devon who are so who will wear the crosses and the collars. Every time a character is saddled with a religious gimmick, it's, it's a heel. What drives the booker? What, what What is the mentality in the writing room to, to write all religious characters as, as the bad guy?
0: Because that's what secular world sees them as. You got your swaggers. You got your Tim Bakers. You got all those people who claim to be men of God. Okay? And they turn out wanting hookers, stealing money. I have no Tim Baker. Jim Baker, not Tim, Jim Baker. Right. I know him. I've met Swagger. I've met all these people. I was there when Jake the Snake confessed his life and gave his life to God to a minister. I was standing right there was speaking to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen this. And with uh, Steve Martin, the movie Leap of Faith, he took after a certain evangelist, a right. televangelist, and made this movie. But he went there telling... The company that oh I want to do this and this and this but turned around and made this guy a shyster, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's how America sees televangelists, except for Billy Graham. I I really I really believe Billy Graham was and who he says he was. And you know, I've I've met the Haggies, Marilyn Hickey's, Paul and Jan Crouch. I met Pat Robertson when he was running for president. I've been to Virginia. I've I've been around a lot of these people. I know a lot of them. Okay, the America sees people like Jim Baker swaggered as they use the gospel to get money and get what they want. And I've found out the more somebody preaches against the subject, that's what their weakness is. One's money, one's prostitution. Your
1: your opinion then is that. The, the religious characters are marketed towards a world that's slowly viewing anyone who's overtly religious as a hypocrite or a bad person in general. Not slowly.
0: I mean, we've got, how many proofs well, I, do we got?
1: This, 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 uh, the characters we've covered go back 30, over 30 years. That's what I meant. Slowly is over yeah, the course yeah. several decades. But
0: that's how America sees them, which is terrible. There are some great televangelists out there. That really do work and preach the word of God, except that doesn't sell tickets, and these promoters want to sell tickets. So if you put a man in a collar, which you you didn't make, Devon a minister or a pastor, you made him a priest. Mm-hmm. So now he, he friggin' uh, as as America sees it generally, he assaults altar boys. He's a pedophile. Yeah. Okay. So. You, you, you've you not done the catholic or the christianity base any favors none whatsoever because of what they've done to themselves okay so uh it, it's going to take a heck of a writing team and somebody who would do a method act who would actually take on that of a uh, evangelist or a man of God to go in a ring where you got tweeners. There's okay. no more good and evil. Everybody's right. a tweener. Yeah. So who's this guy gonna go against? He shakes hands and gets kicked in the crotch, <laughs> and then how you go? How you gonna how you gonna promote a man of God successfully? You can't because there's no good and evil no more. There Fair is none point.
1: Mike. Uh, I'm gonna give you the final thought
0: here before just, we just move to re- on.
2: Just to raise the exception to the rule, there was Reverend Slick, who, you know, helped helped bring Kamala to a heightened sense of himself. Reverend Slick, around 1991 or 92, went babyface. So there was uh, Reverend Slick was a babyface, and they, they took the heel Slick manager, and in real life, uh, the man— Turned him
0: face, yeah.
2: Turned him face. And so that, but they really never parodized Slick or his religion too much. It mm-hmm. was just kind of an afterthought, something you'd yeah. see on primetime wrestling in passing. And
0: yeah, what, you know. what about the Road Warriors? Who was the manager for the Road Warriors? Ellering. Well,
2: Ellering. Paul Ellering. Yeah.
0: Ellering. So when they became face, what happened? He he quit doing his heel stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, uh, but he, he didn't claim to be a Christian or anything like that, but he just quit doing heel stuff. Because the road yeah. warriors would just take well, and, care of their own. And that's own. the
1: same. That's the same mindset with the the Bray Wyatt character when when the Wyatt family was the face in their their feud with some of the the factions. Then of you know, yeah, we're we the the cultists, but now we're the good cultists. That goes to what you were talking about with the tweeners. But I mean, religion. You, you, we could spend all week talking about this. But the yeah. other topic we mentioned, the one they say, you know, other than sports that that you never bring up with family, is politics. And politics right. had its definitely had its moments in wrestling, especially with, uh, Lyndon McMahon being part of the Trump cabinet and and having several runs for the Senate. Uh, the recent uh, stories coming out of Florida with. Me. Vince and Linda's involvement there, but we're going to look at politics and wrestling, and we're going to start with some gimmicks. Now, uh, the, the the default gimmick when you talk political wrestling is the evil foreign heel, and I think the the personification of that that we're going to start with is the Iron Sheik. The Iron Sheik was an anti-American Iranian. There was heat between literal heat between the United States and Iran at the time, and you know America Hakku, you know, and and he would yeah. come out and cut his. Cut his promos and obviously won the, defeating Bob Backlund for the title before yeah. losing losing it to Hulk Hogan.
0: Who was in charge of that? Oliver North, right? Is that when that all happened?
2: That was that was the uh, Iran Contra.
0: That was Contra. Like,
2: Contra. Yeah. Okay, that, that, it was that, after. Okay,
0: before. I'm trying yeah, to that, pull that it. Was, the, that, the
2: hostages that, were like 1980, yeah, like 79 sheet. and 80, and Contra was that broken broke in like 86, 87.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Yeah, and then the she came in, which. It's funny. The uh, uh, quick shout out, Mike, as a filmmaker, quick shout out to the the documentary uh, on steroids, uh, Faster, Stronger, Better, where he yeah. opened he opened the documentary talking about I as a kid, I understood what evil was and his name was the Iron Sheik. And, you know, which I think as a, as a kid remembering the foreign heels, I mean, uh, a lot of the, those too young to remember the evil Middle East and the, and the Soviet Union, the foreign heel worked.
0: Yeah, and uh, what, what about the Russians?
1: Well, that's what I was talking about, with the, the, the Russians, the Soviets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I want to flip away from the evil foreign heel and get to a very polarizing gimmick that was, in, in my experience, in 30 years plus watching wrestling, the only heel, and I use that term loosely, who ever was completely justified was the character of Muhammad Hassan. Now, Muhammad Hassan, for those that don't remember was a, a Middle East, uh, he was an Arab-American who his, gim- his gimmick was he was angry at the United States because of the treatment he was receiving from Americans who blamed him for 9-11 because he was brown, because he was Muslim. And that's exactly what was happening. Now, yeah. of course, you know, this character who could have been such a good figure for uh, promo, for, for the you know, how, how they say sometimes the polarizing character works, in, in all the infinite wisdom of the WWE, they, they made him the villain and over time slowly dropped the nuance and just straight made him a terrorist, which, you know, obviously you remember the 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 sad issue with him having the terrorist cells come out and attack The Undertaker, which aired the same day as the London bombings. So uh, uh, I want to bounce the thought off you guys real quick before we move on the the Iron Sheik is a great example of the evil foreign heel that works, and Muhammad Hassan is an example of how you can do that wrong. Now, Rico, that goes to what you mentioned earlier with religion, because Muhammad Hassan could have easily been uh, – uh, they, they, they instead of touching on the Muslim side, they more touched on the Arab side. But that shows that no religion is safe, no political side is safe when Vince McMahon's writing team gets a hold of you. So yeah. I'm going to bounce this to you guys, uh, Mike. I want to start with you. What, real quick, uh, the the difference between a good the good foreign heel that works and the bad terrorist that didn't? What where's that disconnect?
2: The disconnect comes with eras, E A R A S. Uh, eras in 1984, when the Iron Sheik was WWF World Champion, in January 23rd, losing to Hogan. Uh, we had Ronald Reagan for president. We didn't have uh, internet. Um, most people either had no cable TV or very little cable TV. People were more, wrestling fans were more apt to believe what they were sold. In 2006, when Muhammad Hassan came along and we're five years past, you know, 9-11 in 2001, uh, one, people are more cynical. They're more sarcastic. The Muhammad Hassan, the way that I experienced that as a fan was they were trying to make the the fans the heels. If you boo this character, Muhammad Hassan, as a fan, you are doing exactly what he is telling you that you are doing. You're being bigoted against the Arab-American. Now, here's the problem is twofold. One, if anyone did a simple Internet search at the time, they find out that the guy was not even Arab-American. He was Italian. Correct. The second thing that you find out is that um, it, it just it did not read as real. Uh, the man who plays the Iron Sheik, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I forget his name right now. He is legitimately Iranian. Mm-hmm. So when he comes out and he, he loves America, he loves being in, Amer- in real life. But because he's a legitimate badass, the, you know Coslow, I believe is his name, the Iron Sheik, he read as legit. Muhammad Hassan read as a guy playing a wrestling character very well, but they were trying to do too much nuance. Once Mm -hmm. again, this was the um, post attitude era of the post attitude era. WWE was the ruthless aggression era, which was kind of a weird marble of reality TV Kardashian type stuff with, you know, and, um, just it it didn't always work and one thing about muhammad hassan is that he did have um one pay-per-view main event you know him and his manager wrestled hogan and Shawn michaels Mm. uh they had one pay-per-view main event but the guy the actual real life guy was not committed to pro wrestling because once the wwe decided to drop his character he was out of the business yeah um so the point i'm making i'm trying to make is uh, several points at once a the actual talent was not terribly committed to the business, and that probably read through on some level. B, it was almost like WWE was trying to be too smart for its own good. We we're going to take this nuanced thing of the fans have this subconscious level of, of bigotry, and but if the fans don't want to be pointed out that they're the bad guys, the fans don't want to be heels. I When I do the angry wrestling fan thing and I point out that the WWE fans uh, support the WWE blindly, whether it's, you know, all the the topics, the Saudi Arabia shows, the women, uh, Martha Hart. If I point that out on Facebook, people don't want to admit that they're at, at fault as fans because the fans aren't enlightened enough for the most part to admit to their own human faults. So right. that's that's how I think. That's why I think one worked. The Sheik Iron Sheik worked. Muhammad Sassan, you know, 25 years later, didn't work. That's
1: that's a fair point. Now, moving on, um, continuing with the idea you talked about, the character, uh, the the another example of somebody who was pitched that was not well. I shouldn't say well received, but that was received differently was when Dutch Mantell returned to the WWE as the Zeb Coulter character with Jack Swagger and the real Americans, Zeb Coulter was a anti-immigrant, angry American character who was supposed to be the bad guy. However, it, feuding with Alberto Del Rio, who was legitimately the, this, the Mexican aristocrat character, you, your, your audience very much embraced the Zeb Coulter character. When you have a, in a core audience that tends to be more conservative, more Southern, Somebody who comes out with a big beard and a fishing vest and talks about how you know these immigrants come in and take our jobs and everything, and the crowd cheers. It, it kind of didn't work, and a lot of people don't remember in the build-up to WrestleMania when Jack Swagger was challenging for Alberto Del Rio's title. They filmed a vignette for you that appeared on YouTube where they were recording in front of a green screen and the camera kind of panned over to where you saw sort of at an angle. You could see they were in front of a green screen and Zeb Coulter completely broke character. He explained like, like, I don't want to uh, hurt anybody. Um, you know, uh, 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 this is just an act. And he po- referred to, he referred to Jack Swagger by his real name. He referred to Alberto Del Rio by his real name. He called him his friend. That's
2: Cause the guy on Fox news tried to p- pick on him. And yes. so they, right.
1: right. Right. Which now, now the, the problem with that was, was they kept, the character going with the adding of Cesaro among other things. And I think that goes to the, the Muhammad Hassan side where you had a character. And, and if you remember in WCW late WCW, Kurt Henning and the Wyndham's when they formed the West Texas rednecks, you had this angry cowboy group that was supposed to be the heels in their feud with a rap artist. And of course the Georgia Southern WCW fans they don't want to they don't want to cheer Master P against Kurt Henning. They're going to boo the crap out of the rappers and the, the cowboys were, were cheered. So, Regal, I'm curious. So you talked gimmicks a lot today. Uh, when you get someone like a Zeb Coulter or a West Texas Redneck where you have a political character that's supposed to be the villain but isn't and is embraced by the crowds. How do you as a performer, how do you adapt to that?
0: It happened to me. How's that? Uh, I came out as a heel. Uh, I was a heel as a stylist and then when I came out the makeup character, I was right. a heel. That's true I, And I, the, the fans
1: the, the the crowds love billy the billy and chuck angle.
0: Yeah, but then they turned but they didn't like me cheating But when I went to the adrian street character, yeah, they turned me face That's why I got squashed on raw and went back. I went back to smackdown mm-hmm. as a face japan did the same thing so the fans are going to dictate and unfortunately the wrestlers and the wrestling world uh, behind the scene guys have given the fans that power. They will dictate who they want and who they don't want. Now, as far as this gentleman, the Italian guy, the Muhammad Hussein, or what, what was his name?
1: Muhammad Hassan was the character. Okay.
0: Italian guy. Yes. WWE, unless they invest a lot of money in you are not going to help you with a character or the development of a character. Hence I've said this before. They just told me I was going to go out and be a stylist for Billy Chuck. They didn't tell me what kind of stylist, what to do, duh. They told me it was going to be an Adrian Street character. Well, the old Adrian Street character was a womanizer, stepped on women. I, well, you can't do that in the 2000s because you'd get assassinated. You know what <laughs> right. I'm saying? So, yeah. but WWE with people like me, I'm not going to say like, you well, know, Brock Lesnar and these other superstars, they've already got their character and they help them with it. But other guys, if, if, if WWE gives you a character, you're going to have to sit back, flesh it out, decide what you're going to do, you know, and keep evolving that character as Undertaker has evolved from when we first saw him with Paul Bearer to where he is now. Yes. Undertaker has always evolved. He's always kept up with the times. Hogan used to evolve. Keep up mm-hmm. with the times. Rock did. You guys can't keep doing the same thing over and over. And with these other things, WWE is not helping themselves because yeah. they'll just take somebody and go, You're gonna be this and then now work it out. And then they give these writers who have no experience in it. <laughs> and they and they try to tell then they try to make you into a character. So when it flops
1: Right. Your 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 script would have saved would have saved Muhammad Hassan, Mike could have put well, him
0: in that angle Well,
2: here's the thing guys um you know I, I i rico may not know i think dan does i did have a job interview for wwe creative writing team and the reason i think rico said it to me privately the reason why they didn't hire me is because i have a clue yeah. because and, and here's one thing guys i want to speak up a little bit on this people we everybody says oh the writers the writers the writers of wwe are so lousy who hires those writers the w the, the mcmahons are the ones hiring them. So yeah. after 20 years of people complaining about the WWE writers, um, why don't people complain about the McMahons? And that goes back to my theory that people, wrestling fans and wrestlers, have a daddy complex when it comes to Vince McMahon and Triple H. They, a lot of wrestling fans don't have good family relationships with their father, so they look at Vince McMahon as their fantasy world father. He provides good wrestling. We love him. He, he kills Owen Hart or whatever he does, and we hate him. Oh. So, okay, so there you okay. go. Okay. Mo- so,
1: moving, moving on.
2: No, well, I'm just telling you the 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 beat of the fan uh, fan that I see. It was Glenn Beck actually who um feuded with Zeb Coulter. I just looked it up. Glenn Beck.
1: Ah, good. Well, and, as, and as plus Doug Mantel continues to be popular. Yeah. Well, here's the
2: thing with that, guys. I can give you a real quick insight. I went to a show in Providence, Rhode Island during the time of. uh the Zeb Coulter character and Jack Swagger just wrestled, you know, uh, on the show and he did the, we, the people thing. And the crowd got up and they did the, we, the people thing. And this is my theory. This is around 2014. I believe. The idea is that the wrestling fan is so starving to latch on to something like stone cold, Steve Austin, like, The Rock is here in Philadelphia. The Rock is here in New York. The wrestling fan, the WWE fan especially, is dying, is desperate to latch on to something and enjoy themselves. So when they see anything, heel or babyface, bigoted or not, if it's a call along, if it's a catchphrase, we the people, they they forget about, oh, this guy is the bad guy. We should not be doing we the people. They just say, this is fun. This is something we can do that's fun for us.
1: That goes to the uh, uh, first push when 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 the crowd started pushing for Daniel Bryan, Triple H mentioned in an interview that it wasn't he didn't believe it was Daniel Bryan that was over. He said it was the yes chant that was over. Turns out he was wrong. But uh, moving on to another uh, popular gimmick in wrestling, something that's looked back fondly for those who remember, was about there was a good run of about a year or so where uh bob Backlund had done the, the mr Backlund for president character and that was that worked now uh on the flip side of that the bob Backlund character worked he played he did so great with the the hybrid of the crazy cuckoo uh along with the still little snippets of white meat Babyface hidden in there which i think is why it works honestly the, the backland for president character, he's the only one that could have pulled that off. Now, on the other side of the president, if you remember in WCW, on an appearance, uh, a talk show appearance, Hulk Hogan announced he was running for president, which of course was a gimmick as part of the NWO. That ended when he came back to WCW and participated in the Finger Poke of Doom, which is still the greatest angle in wrestling history, uh, sarcasm aside. So... <laughs> You know, obviously, you can have two different gimmicks, that, one that works and one that doesn't. Now, continuing with the idea of one that works and one that doesn't, we talked earlier about the Iron Sheik, the foreign heel. In uh, WWE, when they first introduced the Rusev character, he was pushed as the Russian foreign heel, despite being Bulgarian, the Bulgarian brute for Russia. He got adopted by Russia. He had the Russian wife. He, he had the Russian character, the gold star medal. Now, Rusev, if you remember he was thrown into a series of feuds with these American characters. He feuded with Zack Ryder. He feuded with Big E. He feuded with uh, uh, Titus O'Neil, who came to the ring dressed like Apollo Creed, which he knew he was going to lose that match. And, and then, of course, his, his feud with Jack Swagger, and he came out on top leading to WrestleMania, his run with the U.S. title against John Cena, came out on the tank. And now, Rigo, I'm going to go with you here on this one. The, the character worked but eventually faltered because he was booked to lose. He lost the feud to John Cena and kind of lost that that momentum. Does the evil foreign heel only really work if he's winning? Can you have an evil foreign heel or a big evil foreign bo- character at all that loses to the Americans constantly?
0: Not constantly, because then you ruin his evilness. If he's always losing to the Americans, then they're going to go, yeah, you know what? Cena's going to beat him. Yeah, mm-hmm. The the fans will Predict what's going on Now if he always went like the Iron Sheik You know he held the title till Friggin Hogan took it after Rocky 3 right you see What I'm saying if you're gonna yeah. have Somebody hold like honky-tonk man How long did he hold the intercontinental Title
2: 14 months
0: Yep. Yeah Why, until
2: You, uh, you, you until, okay over there
0: yeah I'm good uh, Yeah Until what in 30 seconds The ultimate warrior came out because yep. nobody showed up, I'll take on anybody ta-da, really? ta-da. Right. and 14 seconds later, honky tonk is no more, but the, the, he was a heel challenge. yeah, he was the heel, but everybody wanted him to lose and he didn't lose right a- and that's how you keep one of these heels now about the foreign heel, the sheikh stayed for the longest time because we we feuded with Iran. It was still up in regular news, and it was now in wrestling, right? You see and, and so
1: I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Rico, because the last character I want to touch on was my personal favorite. I'm sorry, mike your your video feed on my end is is twitchy.
0: okay How's uh, that?
1: literally twitchy. Um Rico, are you seeing that, or are you seeing a normal no. feed, Mike?
0: Oh I see normal. I just okay. see the flag in the back. It says beautiful people. It waves once in a while but everything else is fine with him. Okay. I'm, and he's in a
1: choppy video connection here. So this is going to make the YouTube video a little interesting. Um
2: I'm not that good looking anyway. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> well, you're, I, hey, you're, you're, listen. You're
1: nodding, you're you're excessively nodding in agreement with everything I'm saying. But going me, back uh, to sure. to what you were talking about Rico with the foreign heel that worked, my personal favorite and and, and this is even as a kid I thought it was such an awesome character was in the in uh, the build up to wrestlemania 7 was hulk hogan against a recently turncoat traitor sergeant slaughter yeah now for those that that, that that don't remember that that gimmick sergeant slaughter after he you know he left for a couple years with the awa he came back and he was a relic of the cold war he was a heel in the sense that he was mad that you know nikolai volkov and the russians you know the americans had kind of started to embrace the soviet union and that jaded edge slowly turned to sympathizing with the Iraqis during the Gulf War and his various cutting of promos. And I think uh, to, to the last bit there is, is the, the narrative. That worked. That worked really well, at least for me as a fan. Now, unfortunately, ticket sales and history tends to say that that was not a popular enough character. Uh, the, the moving of the venue for WrestleMania shows that that was not a popular character uh, in in the long term. But I think it worked. And then the Get My Country Back character, that was, I think, the last great bastion they had of a real-life heel. Because any attempt, or excuse me, a real-life foreign heel, any attempt they've had since then between, I mean, when Rusev came out, we weren't really at war with Russia. And obviously, Mohammed Hassan, the characters there. So, you well, know, well, you have, go ahead, Rico. They,
0: they did the same thing with, the, with the Rob Conway. When he switched from America that's, and went to the the French, that,
1: that's right. Because I he I, I forgot that he there you are, Mike. I forgot he uh he came out. He was a uh, uh, disguised as a soldier.
0: Soldier. And, wow. Yeah, and, and then he yeah. turned on the Dudley boys. That's flipped. right. I forgot about that bit. See, but good, but good? they they make it this big. Yeah. They don't. They do not give time. The WWE wants things as a microwave. They don't invest into what they're trying to build. They want it then and now. They don't understand that the public needs time to digest, to understand, to understand the backstory. Well, why did this guy from America all of a sudden go with the, whatever, the Rougeau, what were they called? The French?
1: They they were the, uh, uh, oh, what were they called? That was the... um, La resistance. la resistance,
0: right? Yeah. yeah. La resistance. There was no backstory. It was like a couple of weeks and then he went to la resistance You had no time to get behind Rob Conway. You gave America, right? No reason. I mean, he wasn't a superstar He wasn't all-american. You did no vignettes Nothing about him winning awards he, Winning the Purple Heart the cross the, the. you gave him nothing as an American for us to despise he, him to go right.
1: No, and that's a good point. And, you know, it's funny. You look at, and, Mike, I'm going to bounce this to you, is you look at the current product with the WWE versus AEW is the WWE has pay-per-views every couple weeks. AEW's only got a few a year. I think some of the characters, like your Iron Sheik, your Sergeant Slaughter being Iraqi, were able to develop because you didn't have to build to a big match every three weeks. So, well, yeah, well, what, what do you, what do you, go ahead, Mike.
2: Well, I just, just want to say... Uh, you know, what's it, appear, uh, appearing to me is that things like the Rougeos, the, uh, you know, the amazing French Canadians or the Mounties, um, the Quebecers, French Canadian gimmicks don't really work as well as good old fashioned Russian, Iranian, right. you know, there's, there's something right. about certain countries. And, and we can just be honest and say that as Americans, we're kind of brought up in this post-Cold War environment. Our enemies are, you know, in our, in our minds, not, you know, Russians, uh, Iranians, uh, you know, Middle Easterns. That's what we're brought up in. I'm not saying that's good or bad. But when you start getting nuanced and you're saying, oh, the French, they're snotty and, and they, they smoke cigarettes in cafes, that is not as threatening as a Russian who wants to blow you up. Right. So it's just simple
0: but, things. But, here. but the French in France, in Paris, are snotty against Americans. I know <laughs> I for, for did me, a competition yeah. show and but, the further I got away from Paris, the nicer the people were but, but Rico, for <laughs> me I, as an American. Right. But
2: Rico, the difference <laughs> is ninety nine out of one hundred people haven't had the life experience you've had that have gone yeah. over to Paris and had it, most people in the, in the Walmart. In, in Jacksonville, have not gone to Paris for for a, a bodybuilding show and been treated with bigotry because they're an American. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if yeah. you grow up in any part of America and you turn on the TV and you have uh, Khrushchev or you have the the uh, Rocky Four,
0: once Gaddafi. again, right? Uh, Gadda- yeah. You got Gaddafi. You got uh, uh, what was the big African? Uh, uh, talking
1: about Idi Amin.
0: Idi Amin. You, you got people like that are just total dictators. Uh, mm-hmm. Fidel Castro, you the know, big, you got stuff big, like bold, that. Once yeah. again, it
2: goes back to, you know, once again, give him credit because it's not my thought. It's big, bold colors. right? Yeah. Good, evil. And, and I'll say this. I think the Rusev thing did work. I mean, I think it was three, four or five years ago at WrestleMania. You had Rusev or Cena for the U.S. title. They had a flag match. It was total throwback 80s.
0: Yeah. But it
2: was Cena was actually getting cheered. And I think Rusev was getting cheered too sometimes. But the yeah. feud actually did work. And I think I think Rico as the guest here has really nailed something that's gold gems. The WWE for whatever reason with all this airtime they have to fill does not give enough time for these characters to marinate to develop. Yeah. Um, you know, look, Honky Tonk Man was very hated, but he came in in 1986 as a babyface, And they did this whole thing where they were pushing him against Savage, who was the heel intercontinental champion. They had a vote. You know, the fans had a vote, a vote of confidence. There was nuances that, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it upsets me, guys, as a wrestling fan and also a writer who had a job interview for the WWE and was not hired. It upsets me when I see the poor quality of, of content coming through the WWE because I know I could do better. Uh, so it's frustrating to me that the fans are, are suffering through horrible, god-awful WWE wrestling for the last 20 years because the McMahons for whatever reason, they want to fill their egos and hire Hollywood hack writers and college interns that's, yeah, that's uh, actually, at bargain basement prices.
0: That's actually- and, and they hire wrestlers for a lower weight. I mean, they bring in these kids who are phenomenal wrestlers, and I'm not taking nothing from them, you know. But, you know, Vince has a habit of going, okay, we'll hire you. Then he fires you. Then he brings you back at a lower rate. And then if you get too much, then he fires you and then brings you back at a lower rate. See, I told Vince, you're going to release me. You ain't getting me back. I'm sorry. I'm not going to play your game. I'm not some 23-year-old kid. I'm 44 years old. You know, you're going to pay me what I'm worth. Right. You know, and, and after I left, I went back into police work and I did it. When they came back into town, he had Tommy Dreamer come up to me. Rico, would you consider coming back? I said, tell Vince no. Was this I'm not at a coming. show in Vegas? This is when they came to Vegas and I was a cop. I happened to see Tommy at a hotel. Okay. while doing my work. And I told I just tell Vince no. He had me once, that was it. You
1: know, speak speaking of uh of coming back, I'm curious since I've got you and it's fresh in my mind. It's not related to what, what we were talking about, but I wanted to ask your thought on it. The Women's Royal Rumble this year. They re, they brought back the Santina Morella character where Ugh. Santina plays a, a woman. But when when he came to the ring, he came to the ring on your good to me music. Yeah, I'm curious what how you feel about that being repurposed in that side,
0: I, which, Vince, by the
1: way, that that is my favorite entrance theme uh, of, of that era yeah. by far none. Part of the reason that your character worked so well as a as a fan of yours is because of how awesome that song is.
0: Well, thanks. I, well, they developed it. Uh, there's, a, there's a friend I am, uh, a fan, who is handicapped. Uh, his name's Kevin. And I, I stay in touch with him through Messenger all the time. And he wants to be a wrestler. He's already wrestled regular wrestling and is pretty good at it. Oh, cool. And we, we, we talk from time to time. When he heard my music at that Royal Rumble, he jumped out of his seat, thought I was coming, and he saw Santino come in. Oh. He was so pissed. Yeah. He thought I was coming. But, you know, Vince told me, this is what his character is your character's not over no more. Uh, we're, we're getting rid of it. I said, I just held the belts. Right. You That's- know, we're gonna, And you just took photos of me, Jackie, and Charlie on the cover of the magazine.
1: I was about to say that that was a that was a damn lie. You you guys were still getting the good reactions.
0: Well, this is what he tells me. And yeah. it's all because I asked for $1,000 a week raise. 1,000 a week. That was it. I didn't ask for 36,000 like Goldberg right. was getting. And I wrestled 46, 48 weeks a year. And then sometimes not 4 days, sometimes 5 days a week. I was always up in the same semi made event. You know, cuz I was an entertainer. So I said, after three years, give me a raise, Vince. I wanted to go from seventy-five grand base to to one hundred and twenty-five grand base. That just base, not counting on everything else. You know, and it wasn't selfish. So it just it just really ticked me off that he let me go on that, and then wants me to come back. And I'm already a police officer at that time. And like I said, the first time I told Tommy, because I know Tommy, no. And then he came back with Tommy Dreamer the next year. Dreamer and Heyman. And, <laughs> and I was at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And, and Heyman asked. I said, Paul, I'm going to put it to you simple. Not only tell him no, but tell him fuck no. <laughs> good for I, you, said, I said, yeah, I, good I for am you. not under his thumb. Okay. He had me. He should have paid me what I was worth. I did everything he told me to. You know, I put people over, Right. you know, and, and that was my job. That was my job as a mid-card guy, put people over. I wasn't going to be a Stone Cold, Triple mm-hmm. H, Batista, Cena. That wasn't my role. My role was was to help other people, and I accepted it. That's fine. Right. You know, but then, like I said, uh, Rico, the stylist character, people took to it. Rico, the makeup character, it took to it. But oh, like yes. I said, uh. I made Vince give me time to develop these characters and 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 make people like them maybe that's why I'm still remembered 15 years later and that's the problem with Vince now with these these young talent guys they're young they want to be on TV they want to be a wrestler but they don't understand the old-school part of it you got to be kayfabe you cannot you cannot be part of raw and then get the show done and then call the guys on the dirt sheets prior to the show and then tell them what's going to happen and they mm-hmm. put the dirt sheets out prior to the show being aired yeah. There, there's a lack of respect for the business of wrestling yes. there is the lack of 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 just integrity integrity yeah. lack integrity. Of integrity 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 you, you,
1: you know you you talk about your character Rico I want to finish with the final image um, we talk about politics and wrestling this was an angle uh, involving politics and it I I still want to know who thought it was a good idea it was a debate held in the ring uh, about the Iraq war in a pro pro con and it was between Chris Nowinski who was a legit Harvard graduate. And master, master, absolute master of the microphone, uh, Scott Steiner. And oh. uh, I, I'm bringing this up to you, Rico, because...
2: I never the, saw it. Monday way, Night Raw. Monday Night Raw. I remember this vaguely. Yeah, it was I, a, I, it was, it was a uh,
1: debate. Yeah. Um, your, your eventual group, uh, uh, obviously it boiled down to uh, basically Scott Steiner... Flexing. If you guys you know know the uh, the Team America theme, it's basically what it boiled down to. America's awesome, and you're a, you're a bitch for not thinking so. And then three minute warning came out and beat everybody up. But it was it uh, it goes to if you remember the they also did a, a hosted an event at a college campus where Mick Foley and JBL debated economics and various right. other political things. Um, I'm 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 ending with that thought because the 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 idea that you can can shoehorn politics this was a feud that had no business getting political no reason for for the iraq war or politics in general to be part of scott steiner feuding with nowinski feuding with uh three minute warning so I, i'm curious uh, give you guys the final thought here is why shoehorn something in that the crowd was going to reject and and obviously I, as much as i love scott steiner um not, not the kind of person I'd hand a microphone and say, lecture me on American global American politics.
0: Mike, you so, go first. Mike, you can I've, have, this, I've you can have, it, have I've the
1: first thought. thought, and then Rico, as the guest, will give you the final word.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote, so Mike, go I'm gonna, ahead. I'm going to quote two sources. The first one is the term 57 Channels and Nothing On, which was a Bruce Springsteen song from the early uh, 90s. 57 Channels and Nothing On. And then my dad would tell me when I was uh, starting, you know, to write uh, films and starting to make my own public access TV show and stuff like that, my dad said, "Hey, there's a hundred cable channels on, and they all need something to air." So my yeah. point is, if you just look at that with WWE, even when they only had Raw and SmackDown, that's four hours. You know, going back a, a generation when it was four hours when those things happened around 2005, 2006.
0: Actually, they had they had five. Six hours they had Raw Smackdown Velocity and Heat. Okay,
2: so the so even worse, even worse. Yeah, worse for a sports entertainment company that that does distances themselves from good old fashioned pro wrestling, Jim Crockett, Vern Gagne style pro wrestling. For a sports entertainment company, they have to have in Vince McMahon's mind, not mine, their fill of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And if it's the topic of the day. Which is uh, we're going to have a Hillary Clinton and Obama, you know, uh, mock uh, wrestling match, or we're going to have? Yeah, I I intentionally left out the impersonator
1: matches. I that's just insulting to even talk about.
2: Well, the the point is they're filling time, and I think Jim Ross talks about that once again on his podcast, Grilling Jr. At some point, as wrestling fans, we see what we there was a website and a book, Wrestle Crap. You know the mm-hmm. wrestle crap uh, book and website. You know, look at that, folks. That's uh, okay. Are you sending me a message, Rico? With that? <laughs> just,
1: what, so what happened?
2: Just what happened?
0: Peace, he, he, started, he started.
1: talking about uh,
0: his opinion, and you got up and
2: showed him your gun. We assumed, yeah. okay,
0: are no, no, obviously I'm, I'm getting a drink of juice. Hands up, Rico. Hands up. That's no, all good. No, so, no, I'm, I'm a I'm a Second Amendment <laughs> guy. When when I came in, I just came out. I had a doctor's appointment. I just ran in, turned my computer on. Right? I had no time to change, no,
2: I appreciate but that. I'm, I'm a
0: second-a-minute guy. Rico, so... we
2: appreciate you being here, man. This is cool. Wow. Absolutely.
0: I'm so Speaking sorry of... for scaring.
2: Well, Rico, yeah. I'm going to be trying this juicing thing in a couple of days, so I'll keep you posted. But, mm-hmm. but my point is simply, guys, is my dad said it. Bruce Springsteen said it. There are hours and hours and hours. And to the WWE's credit, as much as I am a cynic and a critic of the WWE, they haven't stopped doing this stuff in a long time wcw fell off the rails and they could never come back you know wcw tried to stop their shows for two weeks and do a pay-per-view where they resurrected all the belts with new champions and then eventually wcw was done awa Vern Gagne, greg Gagne, they're done bill watts done world class with the von erics done all these wrestling promotions in my lifetime have come come and gone ecw Um, the, even stuff that people like now Lucha underground seems to be done, uh, impact went from having a uh, impact went from having a show. I said, this meme today, I said, you know, TNA wrestling once had Kurt angle and uh, AJ styles. Now impact wrestling has Sammy Callahan and Joey Ryan. You tell me if that's progress. Okay. So the point is all these promotions have come and gone. And for whatever it's worth, WWF slash WWE slash WWWF is still standing. So I give them credit for standing. But the point is maybe they should take a break because creatively they've been on fumes for 10 or 15 years. I hate to say it, but I just did.
1: Oh, that's fair. Rico, um, I appreciate you coming. Uh, I just want to say uh, as a huge fan. Um, when I mentioned you guys being over, when I was stationed out in San Diego, uh, the barracks, the guys in the barracks, you were always one of our favorites between wow. the, the stylist gimmick and then the Adrian street, a huge, huge fan. So I uh, appreciate cause it. Cause you
0: understood it. You understood it. I got,
1: I got, I got the character. Yeah. That, and personally the, uh, um, they, they did a bit with, I believe it was hardcore Holly, uh, snip snipped a bit of the back of your hair. Yes. That, cut,
0: cut my hair. That, yeah. That
1: facial expression you made, you know, Mike, you, you've said it before as a filmmaker, you can tell a better story with a good facial expression than you can with a thousand words. And that yeah. sold it. So I've been a Rico fan ever since,
0: Yeah.
1: but uh, I, so I appreciate you coming out. I'm going to give you the final word on it, on uh, the thoughts for the day. All uh, right.
0: Well, I'm going to go with Mike here and this is to AEW impact and WWE and one famous person said it know your role know your role your role is a sports entertainment business we don't want to hear about China we don't want to hear about Iran we don't want to hear about the Middle East we don't want to hear about this stuff you're supposed to take us away from all that is really devastating to us and put us in a world that we forget about it and enjoy each other again and and get entertained okay you cannot entertain somebody by bringing a character on and two weeks later putting a belt on them mm -hmm. you cannot tell a story about somebody now they're doing pretty good with drew mcintyre he's got a backstory It, it, it they're starting to come up with it and it's working a little bit Okay, you need to get that type of thing. You can't just bring somebody, oh, he's debuting, and then two weeks later he's got a title. Or now you bring Brock Lesnar back after 18 <laughs> times leaving, and you put a belt on him, and he doesn't say a God-blessed word. He just right. looks at you, and Paul Heyman talks for him. Listen, I don't <laughs> give a crap about Paul Heyman. I know he can talk. He, I know he's a bullshit artist. I want to know what's on Brock Lesnar's mind. How right. are you going to be the champion? Why, are, why am I going to cheer? Or why am I going to hate you as a champion? Korea, all of them, anybody. You've got to take time to develop your characters and get away from real world. Mm. Get away from the real world. Like Bruce Willis. How many times has that guy actually saved the friggin' world? <laughs> Armageddon, Fifth Element. Death Wish, whatever. Right. How many times does he actually do it? He doesn't. But everybody loves him as an actor. Because right. he knows what he's doing there. Yes, it's cut, take two, take five. The Expendables. You know, they're all old, washed up actors. Every one yeah, of them. But
1: I, I think that's the appeal, though. They're Because they're old, washed up actors.
0: Exactly. People want to know what they're doing. Look at, look, he can still do it. Right. Stallone, Statham, oh, all I'll, of them, Dolph, they can still I'll tell you, do if, it. If,
1: if, and, and you see that with the older with the older wrestlers, too. If they could still go, a Hogan-Flair match would sell out over anybody that's wrestling today. You want why? Because to
0: try... they know how to tell a story. Exactly. They know, and, and if you let them, if you let the wrestlers, Hogan and Flair build it up, you know, have a couple of matches interfering, yes and no, but or a talk or just just bad, just just sit there and badmouth him, right? They, yeah, he thinks he's got it. I could have bit that guy, <laughs> I could have beat that guy in two minutes, yeah, you know, and then you ain't nothing, you're old, You and then all of a sudden now you got this feud, but that that's just an example, but you got to take people away from reality because you know what, reality right now sucks. Mm-hmm. Reality That's is true. depressing, and a lot of people don't need more depressing upon depressing. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, you're, wow, you're right.
0: Now, yeah, now watch and WWE I, put some Chinese guy in, and all of a sudden now he's the right. champion. Yeah,
1: the 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 next the next women's champion is going to be coronavirus. You uh, yeah. Uh, the 20, a 2020-themed character is going to debut in a couple years here. You, you watch. But, um, no, Rico, Mike, I appreciate you guys coming out. We've said a lot today. Uh, quick shout-out, Mike Messier can be found at MikeMessier.com. You can find Wrestling with the Future. The Wrestling with the Future podcast is on Facebook. We're Wrestling with the Future podcast is on Twitter at WrestlingFuture, no G. I am personally on Facebook at TheMan__WWTF for wrestling with the future for the refs round table we said a lot today i'm dan the man sebastiano and i will see you next time i have something to say